So let's see. He's stolen my earbuds case twice. So now I have to like tuck it away in a drawer at night. Oh, God, just stop. Go away. So far, everything that you're complaining about, what it sounds to me is the cat is teaching you to clean up after yourself. It's certainly making me more tidy. And that's actually been the case for our other pet, Sandy, the dog. Uh, She taught us that we couldn't leave socks or tissues or random pieces of paper anywhere she could reach. So really, I guess what it comes down to, seriously, Kat, I'm going to have to kick you out. Dude, you have a door. Use the door. I'm going to kick him out. You're out. (sighs) So anyway, what what I'm hearing is don't be a slob 2024. Uh, I mean, 2023. But yeah, that is basically what it comes down to is it's 2024 now. My pets are here to make me less slovenly. Finally. I mean, somebody had to. (laughs) Hello, alleged human, and welcome to the Chaos Lever podcast. My name is Ned, and I'm definitely not a robot. I'm a real human person who enjoys activities like cleaning up after cats and putting away all of my headphone-related accessories. That's fun stuff that humans like to do, right? With me is Chris, who is also here and also not wearing headphones. Headphones are so 2023. Oh my God, so passe. It's just like, you know, who even, who even does that? I'm disappointed that you and I are not holding our microphones in our hands because apparently that's a thing. Yeah, um, and not even a microphone that's intended to be held in your hand. No, no, the the lav mic. Yeah, that's a good move. I love that when you have. (laughs) Should we just get out on the lawn now and shake our fist at the sky? What do you think I've been doing for the past hour and a half? (laughs) Well, it is a way to spend your lunch hour. That's for sure. All right. Well, this is our prediction show where we're going to predict things about 2024, which we're already in, but it's early. You know, still plenty of time for things to happen. And we're going to predict some of the things that we think are going to happen. We nailed it with 2023, right? 100%. Actually, 112%. We even got some things right that we didn't predict. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So if uh, if that's any indication, 2024, it's just going to be a blowout. So yeah, I have no notes. Okay. Would you like to start with a fun fact for everyone? So, yeah, let's do that. Last year, we ended the predictions with some of the predictions from everybody's favorite astrologer, Nostradamus. And those went well. (laughs) But here's a fun fact. Did you know that that's not his real name? His real name is Michel de Nostradamus, which is the worst French accent that has ever been put onto recorded media. You're all welcome. You nailed it. More importantly, did you know that he never gave a date or time for his predictions? Does that make them predictions? You know how people do backronyms? Mm-hmm. People also apparently do backredictions. Backredictions. That's going to be the word of the year, 2024. You mark that down. <laughs> okay, I'll put that on the sheet. <laughs> so he was a French quasi-nobleman, advisor to the high and mighty, faith healer, all of that stuff, in the early to mid to mid to late 1500s. That's who he was. 
He picked the name Nostradamus because back in the day, it was fun to make your name sound Latin to make mm. yourself sound more important. He wrote poetry. <laughs> All of his crap rhymed. Wow. All right. And of course, it was wildly popular because rich people love talking to other rich people and thinking that all rich people say important things. One of Nostradamus's first translators into English was one of the people that not only pointed out that it was impossible to fix any prediction to a date and time. And this was like in the 1600s. They knew mm -hmm. this stuff. He said, and I quote in the old slash middle English, I will not have thee entangle thyself in the pretensions of knowing future things, unquote. Hmm. This is the guy that translated Nostradamus. Is basically saying, don't bother trying to tell the future. Seems like he wasn't that into the project. <laughs> he loved Nostradamus. It is the weirdest book. And I read way too much of it. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell. A little bit. But yeah, the whole vibe through it is like, He's amazing, but Mikey has actually always kind of been full of shit, though, so... <laughs> now, we're not going to finish this year with Notre Dame's predictions, because as I said, they're not tied to any year, or even any country, or any place in the universe, or reality. Just to be clear, here is one that has been going around the news as claiming to be a prediction for 2024, and I'm going to read it in the original translation, quote, after the fight and sea battle, the great Neptune in his highest steeple, the red adversary shall wax pale for fear, putting the great ocean in a fright, unquote. The whole ocean. Now, again, in Middle French, or whatever the hell it's called, that all rhymes, and it's like literally poetry. All right. In English, what the foul language. <laughs> and the translator annotated every single one of these. We'll link it in the show notes. You can read this stuff on Gutenberg.org. It's amazing. His response to what I just read you, quote, I find no mystical sense in this, unless by the red adversary, he should understand the Pope. He should mean the Pope. Because clothed in scarlet. Therefore, I leave the explication to the judgment of every particular reader, unquote. So basically saying, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. It might be the Pope. Sometimes the Pope wears red, I guess. Fuck it. <laughs> Make of it what you will. And of course, this annotation is a stretch because as we all know, the color of the Pope is not red. It is white. The color of the Cardinals is red, as was standardized at the Council of Trent, 1545 to 1563. Idiot. Oh, I'm definitely not going to look that up. <laughs> so in conclusion... Let's all just remember that predictions, even the famous ones, are usually utter nonsense. Whoa, 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 whoa. Except ours. Except yeah. ours. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> ours don't count. This is not Miss Cleo. We are taking this shit serious. <laughs> so serious. I put on my serious hat and everything. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's invisible. Mm. Duh. So let's move on then to this year's predictions, which are... Certainly not nonsense. No. They haven't never not been. I'll start with one and then we'll just trade off. You want to do that? Yeah. Um. We'll see how it goes. You have, I don't think it's going to go evenly, but we'll go as close to that as we can. You certainly have some AI ones that could be lumped together. And I have a few uh, earnings ones that I can lump together. So we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. Sure. We're playing fast and loose. I mean, very serious and button bound. <laughs> 
Well, let's start with yours because this is a good one that I almost put on my list. Okay. Nutanix will finally be purchased by a responsible adult. So the VMware drama since acquisition has come in fast and furious. Boy, what an end of December. Hoktan really said fuck you to a whole bunch of people. How about it? Merry Christmas. What a guy. By which I am mostly referring to the culling on various VMware BUs. Uh, most notably, Carbon Black and Horizon 1 are no longer going to be part of VMware. The complete decimation, that might even not even be harsh enough. The elimination of the existing partner program being replaced with an invitation-only Broadcom partner program to the surprise of all current partners. No heads up. And of course, the apocalyptic end of perpetual licensing for VMware products. So. All that in mind, in case it wasn't already abundantly clear, Broadcom has no interest in catering to the SMBs of the world or sustaining product lines that don't directly contribute to the cash cow that is vSphere. I also would not depend on any major product improvements over the next three to five years, regardless of what money they're pouring into R&D. Not that there was a whole lot to improve on anyway. I mean, if we're being honest, and we always are, vSphere has mostly been about speeds and feeds for the last five years. Bigger VMs, more memory, GPU support, etc. It hasn't been about innovation. It's all about keeping up with the hardware. Right. So what we have is a pretty stagnant virtualization environment and a delinquent caretaker which opens the door to opportunity. And who better poised than Nutanix to steal away those small and medium businesses? Now, personally, I've always heard good things about their Acropolis hypervisor and their virtualized storage. If they had a less juvenile sales and marketing team, I probably would have been rooting for them for years. This year, I think some large company is going to scoop them up and aggressively promote Nutanix as a VMware alternative with a partner program to help you move off of VMware. Now, who might do such a thing? It's Cisco. It's going to be Cisco. And if you don't know why, you might not have been paying attention to their botched handling of the UCS line. So I'm guessing once they're done with their most recent isovalent purchase and integration, Nutanix is up next, probably Q2 or Q3. Yeah, and I think that's why I let you have this one. Nutanix to Cisco is a great call. Thank you. I did something right. <laughs> Cisco UCS was one of the all-time missed opportunities oh my in God. hyper-converged. What a fantastic platform. And how many, you go around to, you know, let's just make up a number. Let's say you have two friends. Let's not get extreme here. <laughs> let's say you have 10 <laughs> friends in IT and ask them about UCS, they will probably think it's a college football team. That is true. That's not great. I went to a presentation when they launched UCS, or like the year afterwards, and the big thing about the presentation was, UCS, yes, Cisco makes servers. Like, <laughs> they wanted to reassure everyone that it was not a joke and that they were, in fact, making servers. But the thing is, you and I both participated in more than one deployment of UCS hardware, and it was rock solid and really good from a hardware perspective. The software was shit. 
it needed Java to run in its earlier iterations, which was just like asking for trouble. But the hardware was rock solid. And I wish that they had spent the time to put some good software on top of it. And I think it could have been the best hyper-converged platform out there. Right. Now, the thing about it, and the reason that this Nutanix thing makes perfect sense, is that you still relied on VMware, effectively. I mean, you could yes. run UCS bare metal, but nobody did that. Come on. No. <laughs> yeah, I think this one is as close to a slam dunk as we're going to have. Except for mine. <gasps> All right. Because mine is about AI being in deep shit. <laughs> yep. And the reason I think that this is a slammer slam dunk, which is a basketball term, don't look it up, is that it's already happening. Mm-hmm. What happened? Well, there was a release of information, public release of information from a New York Times-based lawsuit that showed open AI products returning results that were verbatim copies from mm-hmm. New York Times articles and similar journalistic sources. Word for word, straight plagiarization. That's bad. That's a, no, It's a guaranteed loss. Yeah. The question is what happens next? What has happened next is everybody has gone, hmm, interesting. Let's explore. <laughs> and as more and more products have come out, say things like DALI, the results that prompts are returning have been more and more, shall we say, uh, recognizable. Mm. Examples of such generic prompts. And I want you to guess what you think that the uh, picture came back. These are all graphical from DALI. Okay. Quote, golden droid from classic sci-fi movie in front of large spaceship with a gun. Chewbacca. (laughs) I'm going to smack you through this screen. Fair enough. Or, slightly racistly, quote, video game Italian. Rayman. (laughs) A lot of people don't know he's Italian. Now, we have talked about OpenAI and all the other... I I know we're picking on OpenAI, but this is really generative AI in general. Yeah. But we're picking on OpenAI because they're the ones getting sued. But we've been talking about the fact that the works that are returned are plagiarism at some level for a while now. Mm -hmm. The problem is now the plagiarism that's being returned is owned by Disney. (laughs) Now you tell me, who do you think has more juice? Do we still say juice or is that gross? Sure. In the uh, legalistic areas, some jag off on Etsy or DeviantArt or the Disney Corporation. I think the smart money might be on Disney. So, yeah, all the corporations thought it was cute and funny and lighthearted when the small people were getting squeezed, but now it's them. I bet we are going to be finding out that they don't think it's funny anymore. So the prediction is these companies, and it's not just Disney, but, you know, Disney-like companies, will be raining legal hellfire on OpenAI and other such AI companies until this problem goes away. Yeah, and considering that Disney finally had to let the trademark for the original Mickey Mouse cartoons lapse, they're in a pissy mood to begin with. Right, and there's already what is looking like a a terabad Mickey Mouse horror movie coming out. Eh, I'm not interested. But anyway. Eh, 
You wouldn't be. <laughs> All right. So, in other acquisition predictions, I think Microsoft is going to buy Fermion for an undisclosed amount. I do too, and I definitely know what that is, but for the audience, can you explain? <laughs> I will enlighten. Yes. What a guy. Okay, so let's back up a little bit and just posit that WebAssembly is starting to make some serious waves in the cloud-native space. When I was at KubeCon, humble brag, it was a pretty big topic of people who were there. And the establishment of the WebAssembly component model makes it seem like Wasm is about to become what serverless always dreamed of being. Fermion is a startup at the forefront of WebAssembly tech with their spin product. And their founders are largely folks from Microsoft who were also involved in early on Docker and Kubernetes projects. I've heard of those. Yeah. Seems like they might know a thing about a thing. So I'm betting that rather than Microsoft develop its own WebAssembly as a service in Azure, they're just going to buy Fermion and offer it. Probably call it Azure Spin. Although Spin might be a little too cool for Microsoft. So they'll probably call it, I don't know, like Functions 3.0 or something boring and dumb. Maybe they'll accidentally somehow call it Entra. <laughs> it's, it's not nice. You're not nice. I don't like you. <laughs> More AI. Because that should really be one of the meta predictions is more AI. Yeah. AI will continue its inexorable march forward towards industry domination. Notice I didn't say what industry. I did notice that. Because my belief is that it is going to be all of them. Yes. <laughs> After a year of experimentation and wild speculation, I believe that businesses are going to get serious about implementing AI as widely as possible. Now I know what you're saying. Isn't that already what they've been doing? Mm. No. No. Now, I do not believe that this is going to be the end all for anyone or put millions of people out of business, but I do think that business leaders are finally seeing the value of AI is as an assistant. Mm -hmm. And in that role, it is going to have a meteoric rise and probably one that will have measurable impact on the economy on things like part-time work, overseas call centers, entry-level positions, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Regrettably, that's going to happen. Yeah. What's going to happen is people are going to tie AI at the end of robotic process automation jobs, finally making robotic process automation a thing that works. <laughs> there. It will be used deliberately, though, and for very specific, narrow things going forward. We have noticed ChatGPT just on its own without any constraints is problematic. Indeed. However, it is completely possible, as we've talked about on the show repeatedly, to make a very narrow AI that answers very specific questions, solves very specific use cases, and if it doesn't know what to do, kicks the call up the line. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen. It is not going to become Skynet. Yet. Yet. But it will be leveraged in such fashion to save companies money. Right. The biggest things that I've seen uh, about AI in the last year is productivity gains 
by people who were already fairly productive to begin with, but they still had a certain amount of drudgery or undifferentiated heavy lifting they were doing. And they didn't have an easy way to offload that. So it was not worth the effort to automate that thing, but it was still not something that was actually adding value to their day. AI rolls in and goes, well, I'll just automate that for you. And then it's automated. Like taking notes in a meeting, assigning action items to people, summarizing articles. All of these things are something that was possible but difficult before you had to pay a human to do. Now just AI does it for you. So it certainly, I think we're going to see massive productivity gains, which may not result in job loss for those higher level type jobs, but it will probably end up being job loss in what you indicated, which is like entry-level positions, part-time, those kinds of things. Right. Do you have a bonus prediction? I asked knowingly. Yeah, I guess we'll put a pin in the AI stuff, at least from my perspective, with the prediction that we are going to start seeing some moves towards AI-free creations and (laughs) certifications thereof. Now, this is going to be harder than it sounds like. Even with modern photo and video manipulation, it is often very challenging to figure out what is truly real and untouched and what is modified. Mm -hmm. For evidence, look at every picture that's ever been put on Instagram. You're all (laughs) liars. You're all phony, (laughs) phony liars. No filter my ass. So in reading, one of the predictions from this industry AI experts uh, said, quote, the most viewed and engaged videos in the 2024 election will be generated by AI, unquote, (sighs) which I agree will happen and I am not excited about. And things like that are going to drive us to figure out a way to say, this is real, this is genuine, this is not created by AI. It's kind of like organic food to a certain degree. Like this is going to be like AI free organic content. (laughs) Except unlike organic food, this is valuable. (laughs) <laughs> I was just saying, but like organic food, it is also not well-defined and anybody can say that it's organic, more or less. <laughs> it's toasted. All right. So I have a couple of growth predictions that I want to roll through. One is public cloud vendors will see a rebound in growth. I wonder why. So last year, I predicted that cloud vendors would see slowing growth. And AWS and Azure certainly did see that. We saw a big slowdown in growth, especially with AWS. Azure was not quite as bad. And I think I might know why. (laughs) (laughs) I think we'll see growth numbers return back to 2022 or 2021 rates as the market for AI booms. Of course, it's AI. The fact that Microsoft already had an Azure AI service available, especially in the second half of the year, I think is why we didn't see as much of a slowdown. Whereas AWS finally got something out of the gate during reInvent, and by all measures, it's half-baked. I'm pretty sure that the uh, internal development name for what AWS released is, oh, sweetie. (laughs) Oh, you're so adorable. Look at you. You try so hard. Yeah, but now that it's 2024, all three major public clouds are going to have an AI as a service or at least infrastructure as a service for DIY AI projects and all of their growth 
or at least most of it's going to come from AI-related things. Two more revenue predictions, and then I'll hand it back to you, Chris. Revenue for Cloudflare in 2023 is projected to be about $1.3 billion. I think Cloudflare is going to hit $2 billion in revenue for 2024. Based off their current growth, it should be 1.7. But I think the growth of edge services and again, fucking AI is going to drive their growth as well above $2 billion, which really puts them in a larger class of cloud than what they're at right now. In a similar vein, I think Digital, Realty, and Equinix will have 25% revenue growth, also driven by private AI projects. Because not everybody wants to pay a Microsoft or Amazon fee to use their AI services or their infrastructure as a service. But AI infrastructure is very power-hungry and has special needs when it comes to networking and cooling. So enter Equinix and Digital Realty, the two biggest vendors in the data center co-location space. I think they'll see revenues jump by 25% year over year. Now, Digital Realty saw 16% growth in 2023, and Equinix saw 12%. So I think that's within the realm of possibility, especially as the AI chip supply chain starts freeing up and people can actually get orders delivered. Those orders are going to go into Equinix and Digital Realty data centers. I'm not giving stock advice here. Don't sue me. But I think tech stocks overall will do really well in 2024. And Digital Realty, Equinix, and Cloudflare all seem like pretty safe bets if you wanted to invest in something. Oracle, not so much. How is Larry going to get his 17th yacht, though? He's going to build it on top of his 16th yacht. (laughs) Yo, dog. dog. I heard you like (laughs) yachts. (laughs) Next up, the metaverse makes headway thanks to Apple. Now, In case you don't remember, Facebook thought that 2022 was going to be the year that fully immersive virtual reality worlds were going to be a thing. (laughs) So much so that they changed the company name. (laughs) But here we stand, 700 odd days later, and the Facebook metaverse is definitely not a thing. Nope. This was for a few reasons. Primarily an underbaked and oversold product expensive, clunky equipment that tied you exclusively to Facebook, and a general societal dislike of Mark Zuckerberg as a person. Yeah. Like, literally. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, people were like, I don't want shit from that guy. Right. This year, though, Apple is finally releasing their AR VR headset that solves for a ton of those problems. Mm-hmm. Now, something else that's driving this prediction, it's important to remember that AR slash VR has existed in specialized fields and in little bubbles here and there for years and years now. Yep. Anyone remember Google Glass? Sadly. That never really went away. (laughs) They just stopped talking about it. True. Now, bonus prediction, I think we'll see Google Glass version two in 2024. For that And probably for a lot of things that are going to help drive the concept, I think the use cases are going to be specific at first. Now, I remember seeing years and years ago a Google Glass demonstration of an automotive company using AR, augmented reality, to Mm -hmm. help mechanics working on complex car engines halfway around the world. And that was in like 
2016. Yeah. Incremental steps have undoubtedly been made. Uh, one would hope. So the prediction, mapping things down to 3D space with digital avatars who can walk around in a world with more direct interactions with their virtual environment will start to become a regular thing, but it will not be the one that's under Facebook's control. No. Mm -mm. Where things like Facebook's metaverse and Decentraland all failed, others will succeed. Mm -hmm. And I'll start with simple stuff that already exists and people are excited about, like games. I like games. So, for example, did you know that Roblox has a VR component? Nope. I sure didn't. But I bet the youths will interestingly know. <laughs> Indeed. Of course, we'll have to see. If you remember the original launch of the iPhone, while it was quite the feat of hardware engineering, it wasn't until the App Store that it really took off. Because there had been smartphones before, but it was that App Store approach that really started elevated above all the other smartphones that were out there. Right. I'm wondering if their headgear Apple thing, iHead, I don't know, whatever it's called. Vision. <laughs> if it's going to have a similar aha moment with the release of something that makes it indispensable. I honestly wonder the same thing. And I wonder if that's why it's taken so damn long for them to release it. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Well, let's round it out with two more hardware predictions. We'll start with RISC-V will be available in the public cloud by the end of 2024. Whee! Last year, I said it was CXL. That was probably like a year off. Undeterred! I'm going to say that one of the public cloud providers is going to offer up RISC-V-backed services in 2024. Google and Alibaba are both premier partners of the RISC-V industry group. And while their focus has been on smaller devices, like an Android phone or an Edge AI device, I think eventually RISC-V will be an option for cloud-based development environments rather than furnishing each developer with an actual RISC-V device. So I think that's where we'll see it first, is in those cloud-based development environments where actually interacting with the hardware and specifically that architecture is going to be super important. Yeah, that's one of the ones that's like so obvious, I'm shocked that it doesn't already exist. I looked around, at least with the major cloud providers, and none of them has something, but all of them, or at least... Google and Azure both have some version of software that runs on RISC-V at the edge. So I think it's just a matter of time until they pull that back and go, oh, we need to offer that in our cloud as well so people can develop applications for it. Right. I like it. Yay! And finally, PCIe 6 will make all NED's 2023 CXL predictions come true. You're making my dreams come true. And we're uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As is tradition. Tradition? As is tradition. Tradition. It's like traction and tradition all at the same time. Delicious. As is tradition, I will get to take credit for all of Ned's novel ideas. Hmm. Last year, as we discussed last week, Ned said that CXL would hit the mainstream, or at least mainstream enough that it would be part of cloud company SKUs. Yeah. That did not happen. No. 
Mm-hmm. What did happen, though, is the continued development of everything. <laughs> Crucially, the protocols and technologies that connect one thing to another. Mm-hmm. Now, as we stand today, PCIe 6 is on the threshold of release. And with it comes 64GT slash X, that being 64 billion transfer operations, gigatransfers per second, <laughs> per lane. Ooh. As well as the new PAM4 RAM, which can send multiple instead of single bits per transfer. Mm. This all means that the new 6.0 protocol will be at least twice as fast as 5. Wow. To the layman, you can just assume this means basically the fastest thing you can imagine, but no, actually faster. Mm. Faster. Like, seriously, we're getting into the powers of 10 conversation about numbers that are so large that the human brain literally cannot comprehend them. Well, I, get, I make it up to about four before I give up, so <laughs> that happened quickly. PCIe 6 comes with CXL 2.0. Wee! Wee! Which enables memory pooling through switching, which, crucially for the technology, means RAM shared from outside the server. Mm-hmm. 6.0 is also basically CXL 3.0 ready. Ooh. Which other devices with lesser protocols just weren't at this time last year. Mm-hmm. Add all this up, and I think that something hits the mainstream. Because not only is PCIe 6 ready for the main promises of CXL, mm -hmm. off-server memory at on-server speeds, or at least close enough, <laughs> but 6.0 is also a bit more future-proof. Yeah, and as we discussed in our predictions review episode, Microsoft did a study showing that memory pooling would save them a serious amount of money since 50% of the cost of any server was the memory. And the assumption there was that you would have memory in a bunch of different servers all working together in a pool. But if you could just have that memory in a giant bank and have a bunch of servers access it, that brings the cost down even more. So yeah, I think uh, Microsoft and all the other cloud providers are looking at that and going, hmm, that will save us some money and we like doing that. Yay, CXL, woohoo. Sorry, I'm, I'm all about risk five now. I even got a tattoo. I didn't, I didn't get a tattoo. That seems strange. Be honest. Okay. I got them to cover up the CXL tattoo with Risk Five. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for listening or something. I guess you found it worthwhile enough if you made it all the way to the end. So congratulations to you, friend. You accomplished something today. Now you can go sit on the couch, fire up a generative AI tool, and see if you can get it to draw Mario for you. You've earned it. You can find more about our show by visiting the, our LinkedIn page, just search Chaos Lever or go to our website, chaoslever.cow, where you'll find show notes, blog posts, and general tomfoolery. We'll be back next week to see what fresh hell is upon us. Ta-ta for now. I did two things right today. Take the rest of the year off. So are we not doing a tech news of the week then? Not this week. Why did you write things? Yeah. Did you not scroll? No. <laughs>
Are you offended? I thought we decided that we, for the predictions weeks, we weren't doing tech news. Ah, it's fine. It's fine. All right. I'm going to stop recording then. Why didn't you do that 10 minutes ago?